0: Señor reject us. You have accepted us in your family. Father, thank you for naming us with your name. Thank you for clothing us with your presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we have worshipped. In Jesus' name, we have worshipped. Amen. 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 Please, you can do something better than that. Um, If you are doing that for the praise and worship team, you have done a good job. But if you are doing that to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, let us exalt him and magnify him for who he is, for his faithfulness, for his love, for his tender mercies, for his glory, 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 Do something good, do something great, do something mighty, do something awesome, do something powerful to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Shout hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, it is blessed, it's a blessing to see you here today. Among the, Among the family of God, you are my brother. You are my sister. You are my sister. You are my sister. <laughs> of course, idea is needed. Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time, is Jesus is Lord. Amen. He's Lord forever. Father, I bless your name. We are here for nothing other than you, you are the bread of life. You said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, but they shall be filled. Father, you are our righteousness. We hunger for you, and you are our supply. You quench every thirst. You quench every hunger. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We ask in the name of Jesus that Jesus' voice shall be heard. His word shall be heard. That everyone who is hungry, that it shall be his bread that shall fill them. That it shall be his word that shall be their supply. In the mighty name of Jesus. Your word said, the sower went out to sow. And he had seed in his hand. But the seed had no value until it was planted in the hearts of, of, of of the ground. In the name of Jesus, let every seed, O Lord, find its place in every heart here. In the mighty name of Jesus that it shall be fruitful, and that it shall be a fruitful vine that shall flow forth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. By the grace of God, I'm grateful for the opportunity to stand before you. It is not by strength, neither is it by power, but by the spirit of the living God. And I give God all the glory for that opportunity. Um, As some of us are aware, our pastor is not here, but he is here. Amen. You didn't ask me, how is he here? Look at our mama here, sitting down. And the Bible says, and the two shall become one. So though we don't see him, we see him. If you want to see him, look at her. (laughs) But on a more serious note, he's um, busy at work in Lynchburg. You know, he's a papa. He has two branches to shepherd over under the great shepherd. So he had to go minister the word of life there. Uh, Just keep him in our prayers and um, let him know when next you see him of your love and that he was greatly missed in the house. Amen. 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 So as some of us are aware, we've been in a season of fasting. And this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we've been focused on the topic, the throne room of God, the throne room, the throne room. So I'll start by asking this question, what is a throne? What is a throne? When you think of a throne, you think of a kingdom because a throne has no effect or influence without a kingdom. So it signifies the rule of a kingdom. It signifies the rule of a kingdom. And the thing about the throne is it must always be occupied because an occupied throne left vacant will be filled by someone who desires that throne. So a throne must always be occupied. A throne must always be occupied. And also, if someone calls himself a king and does not have a throne, that person is no king So a king that does not occupy a throne is not really a king over that domain. So I can be a king in one place, in one city, in one town. But if I step into another town, because there is someone else on the throne in that town, I am an ordinary person in that town. I only am a king where my throne resides. Amen. So a king that does not occupy a throne is not a king unless he is seated on the throne without that, within that locality. Amen. So what that means is that a king represents the throne and the throne represents the king. A king represents a throne, and a throne represents the king, the throne room. And also, by implication, this means that God's throne represents a kingdom, a locality, an entity that is ruled by God, and that throne within that locality is occupied by God. By implication, it means that God's throne represents a kingdom ruled by God, and that throne is occupied by God. A throne primarily primarily represents three things. So when you think of a throne, there are three things that first come to mind. Kingdom, authority, and influence. Kingdom, authority, and influence. When you think of a kingdom, you recognize that everything that a kingdom stands for flows from its throne. Everything that a kingdom represents starts and ends from the throne. The value of a throne is the worth of the person sitting on the throne. The value of a throne is the worth of the person sitting on the throne. Or you could put it this way. The value of a throne is the worth that the person who is sitting on the throne gives it. So, if I've, if, if for example, if, if there were a throne here and my sister was sitting on the throne and we call her Queen Rose Love, was sitting, there, <laughs> was, was sitting on the throne, the value of that throne would be everything Rose Love represents, everything she values. So, if she values the people, that throne represents the value of a of uh, represent the value of the people within that vicinity, if that is her utmost value, if that's what she feels is of worth, if it is all about economics or finance, everything that that throne would stand for would be economics, finance. And for reasons best known to me, I'll just leave it at those two examples. (laughs) This is the reason why in Psalm 89 verse 14, Psalm 89 verse 14, the Bible says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. God's value is righteousness. God's value is justice. That's why when Abraham met him on the way, he said, will the judge of all the earth not do right? He knew that God values righteousness and justice and everything that will flow from him will be righteousness and justice. Everything a kingdom stands for flows from his throne. Now the second authority the throne is always authorized to make decisions that will affect the people. And this comes in the form of rules and laws. Hebrews chapter 1 verses nine, 8 to 9. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 8 to 9 says this. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And righteous, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your your companions. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. The scepter of his kingdom. He has authority and he uses that authority to proclaim righteousness. He uses that authority to proclaim justice. But what this scripture actually tells you is that Without righteousness, there will be no flow of anointing. The anointing of the kingdom of God depends on the knowledge of righteousness that flows within that kingdom. Amen. Amen. And thirdly, influence. Whoever sits on a throne influences the people within the kingdom. Influences the people within the kingdom, the throne room. Now, there's something we want to go to now. Can we go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. When we think about the scriptures, we recognize that in the beginning, in the beginning, you had the Old Testament. And the New Testament in the Bible in the Scriptures, but the thing about the book is this: it is divided into those two covenants because the first covenant is it's 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 like a type; it's an example of what was going to come forth. An example of what was going to come forth. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, we see this. It says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. It was the very image, a shadow, the law having a shadow, the law having the law was just a type, a shadow. It was a shadow. So we see in the law, we see in the examples of the scriptures in the first five books of the Bible that all, all that was seen there were just types and shadows. The law in the Old Testament was only a shadow. And the thing about a shadow is if I were to bring my hands, I, got, I, I, I can't, probably you can see my shadow here. But if you, if, if you were to just look at my shadow on the floor, you probably would see the form. Right? You'd see a shape. But if you were to say you wanted to look, for example, at my fingerprint, you won't be able to see it there. For, if you wanted to look at my eyes in my shadow, it won't be there. All you'd see there is a form. A form. It looks like something that has my shape. But you really can't find the details. That was what the law was. Now, I'm trying to bring this... Because we are going to go full circle. The throne room of God. We are going to look at the Old Testament and see what the throne room of God was. In the the Old Testament, we see Moses' teaching ministry of what he saw in heaven. It was a type, but it wasn't the reality. It had a form of godliness, but it denied the power that was within it. The Old Testament... Just try to explain heavenly things with earthly language. Heavenly things with earthly language. The Old Testament was obscure. It concealed the new testament it concealed christ it hid christ if you were to look at the old testament and read the old testament alone you will not know what we were to expect in christ it hid christ but it is only when christ is revealed you understand what the old testament was talking about for example if we were to look at luke chapter 24 verse verses uh, 27 luke 24 verse 27 Let's let's start from 26. Let's go to 25. Thank you. Now, Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus. He then tells his disciples, he meets some some of his disciples talking on on the way on the road. He says, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of hearts, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, 26, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and end to enter into his glory, 27, and beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, he was trying to say, if you are reading the Old Testament, if it's not about me, then you haven't understood what the Bible is all about. Because the scriptures center on Christ. The scriptures point to Christ. And that's why he spent all that time pointing them at the beginning at Moses. Moses represents the first five books of the Bible. And all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all scriptures the things concerning himself. So the job of Moses and all the prophets was to point to him. This was the reason why he said John the Baptist was the greatest. All of them spoke about the things they did not know or understand. But John the Baptist said, this is the man. This is the man. The man that we all have been looking for. This is him. In other words, the person who is the king has come. And now that he has come, the message of the kingdom can be preached. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Because the king has come. You see where we're going round and round about? The king has come. And he has a kingdom. Now, repent. Repent. So everything that we see in the Old Testament was the teaching ministry of the prophets that pointed to Christ. So an example of that is the mercy seat. Now if we open to Hebrews chapter 9 verses 3 to 4. Hebrews chapter 9. talking about the tabernacle. It says this, Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense, and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden jar, holding the manna, and Aaron's rod, which budded, and the tables of the covenants, which was really the law. But we see in these three items that were in the ark, which the mercy seat was on, which theologians say is actually a a representation of the throne of God, the throne of grace. The golden jar represented Christ himself, the bread of life, which is basically the influence that his kingdom represents, represents life. Everyone who comes into him comes into life. The two tablets of the stone with the Ten Commandments were symbols of righteousness. Symbols of righteousness. And Aaron's rod that budded speaks of the authority. It speaks of the authority. You recall, when Moses said Aaron was going to be the one that would lead, everybody said, why now? And then Aaron said, okay, you know what we'll do? All the leaders of the tribes, put your rod on the, on the ground. Then who, 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 the rod of the person that buds the next day is the person that will become the one who is going to be the high priest. And it will be that tribe that will serve. And the next day, it was Aaron's rod that budded with nuts and fruits within 24 hours. Meaning he had the authority to perform it. Aaron's rod that bothered, it speaks of authority. But remember, these are all symbols. The reality is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. The throne of God is Christ himself. In John chapter 6, verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus says this. He says that the words that I speak, they are spirit and life. In other words, everything that I am, the authority I possess, is fused with everything that proceeds from me. Everything that Jesus is. Everything that he represents is fused with everything that proceeds from him, fused with his words, fused with his life. So the throne of God is him himself. The throne of God is anywhere Christ is found. Luke chapter 8 verse 26 to 39. We see in this story Luke chapter 8, verse 26 to 29. I'll just read from verse 26 and 27. It says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons, and who had not put on any clothing for a long time, and was not living in a house, but in the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. We see here that Jesus was not the one that approached him. Jesus just stepped into the land and he reported himself to Jesus. He recognized the authority that was in Jesus and he said, Jesus, son of the living God, what do we have in common? Have you come to torment us? Have you come to judge us before the time? He saw Jesus and ran towards him. The throne of God is anywhere Christ himself is found. The man sensed the authority and ran towards Christ. And by implication, the believer is the throne of God. The believer is the throne of God. Come on, raise up your hands and say, I am the throne of God. I am the throne of God. I am the throne of God. Does God reign in you? Answer the does God reign in you? Then I am the throne of God. Does God rule you? Then I say it, now I am the throne of God. The Lord rules me, rules me. The Lord reigns over me. The Lord is the one who covers me. The Bible says He rules and reigns in the affairs of men, and once He rules and reigns in a specific location, then He is the one who is the king and his throne. Is in that person. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 says this. It says know ye not that ye are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price. It says I'll read from 19. It says, "Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you? Whom you have from God. And that you are not your own. You are not your own. You and I have been bought with a price. The Lord is the one that rules in us. And any area that he... Reigns over. His throne is in that location. His throne is in that location. His throne is in that location. So what does that mean for you and I? The influence that comes from you and I is life. For the bread of life to us within. We have the symbol of righteousness. For Christ is our righteousness. And the authority, the symbol of that rod of Aaron is the name that he has given us that is above every other name. And you and I function in that authority. Peter Peter 2, verse 9 says this. It says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I. Amen? You and I. So, God's throne dwells in you and I. God's throne reigns in you and I. God's throne is established in you and I. So, let us just raise up our hands and make these following confessions. And you say it like you believe it I am God's house. I am God's house. I am God's body. The father is at home in me. The father is at home in me. His life is my life. His life is my life. His truth is my truth. His truth is my truth. His His way is my way. His way is my way. His name is my name. His name is my name. His faith is my faith. His faith is my faith. His His love is my love. His love is my love. I am the son of the father. I am the son of the father. I have his nature at all times. I have his nature at all times. I am always in him. And he is always in me. I am always in him. And he is always in me. I am the bone of his bones. I am the flesh of his flesh. I am the bones of his bones. And the flesh of his flesh. I and my father can never be separated. I and my father can never be separated. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ our Lord. I am my Father. I am my Father. Can never be separated. Christ is my rest. Christ is my rest. Christ is my open door. Christ is my open door. John chapter 10 verse 9. John chapter 10 verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You have an open door to go in and out. Christ is my open door, and his glory is my glory. His glory is my glory. His glory is my glory. John 17, verse 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Your glory is my glory. I am one with you, and you are one with me. I am one with you, and you are one with me. Can we all rise up on our feet?